Welcome to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast, brought to you by Asfalis Advisors and the Disaster Recovery Journal. Crisis management in today's world is ever-changing, and this podcast is our commitment to help you navigate successful outcomes for any crisis you may face. I'm your host, Vanessa Matthews. I specialize in providing insights and solutions for crisis, continuity, and resilience across industries from real estate and healthcare to terrorism in the airline and transportation worlds. No matter what industry you're in, this podcast will provide you the tools to build resilience in your organization. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to be interviewing Keith Allier from Wells Fargo. He is the director of Wells Fargo Corporate Investment and Global Head of Business Resilience. Today's podcast title is Sustainability is the Missing Key to Risk Management. Keith, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you doing? I am doing well. Uh, It looks like in the same location that I'm at, the sun is finally shining in Charlotte. So (laughs) yes, I'm looking out my window and seeing the same, seeing the same. It's nice to see the sun. Awesome. So can you tell our listeners and subscribers a little bit more about you and your background? Sure. Uh, So I'm actually originally a native of New Jersey. I uh, found my way to Charlotte in 2006. So I've been here for 16 years. It is now home for sure. Um, I really fell in love with Charlotte traveling to the city for work. Um, At the time, I was in energy trading and risk management. Um, I spent most of my career in that space and was consulting and on the road almost every week, uh, going back and forth to different cities and um, both here domestically and around the world. But I really did love that space and it taught me a lot about um, the energy industry. Um, And then as I got a little bit older, I wanted to get off the road (laughs) and uh, Wachovia slash Wells Fargo had been a client of mine on and off for years. And I was able to take an opportunity and join the bank uh, in 2017 and get off the road. And that was directly within the energy trading and risk management space within Wells Fargo for their commodities group in the corporate investment bank. And then more recently at the end of 2020, I became the director of uh, CIB Global Business Resiliency. Uh, So I've been in that role for a little over a year now. Awesome. So what's interesting is my mom used to work for First Union. Oh, <laughs> in North was Virginia. She, was she was she there for a long time? Because we still have we still have a few first union people left. I bet. She was <laughs> there for a while. And what's funny is, so I grew up in Virginia Beach. She was afraid to drive over the bridge, so she would literally stop, and my dad would have to come get her and take her to work every day because she refused <laughs> to drive over water. So, <laughs> <laughs> So that is funny. So uh, your LinkedIn headline says resiliency equals sustainability equals equitability. Can you explain a little bit about what that means uh, and why you're so passionate about it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's something that came to me when I was when I took this role, because around the same time, there was a a large swell of ESG activity happening in the corporate space coming out of COVID um, and, you know, various things that were happening in our society. But there was just this general conversation about things that needed to change, um, not just from a climate perspective and, and, you know, basically climate change, but also what was happening socially for us as a country and equitability amongst various races and socioeconomic classes. Um, so this was all happening at the same time. And so the conversations that we were having were really about, you know, if we're thinking about resiliency, what does that really mean? And to me, at the basic level, it's, as you know, right, it's, it's, it's people, it's places, and it's things. And none of those things really can be resilient unless there's some sustainable element to all of them, 
right? They all have to have some element of sustainability built into them uh, in order to be resilient. So that's where you link the two together, saying resiliency is sustainability, because if you don't build sustainable locations or if you don't have processes in place or programs for your human capital that make them sustainable people and you know, sustain them, and if you certainly don't build infrastructure to sustain it, um, then you don't have resiliency. And then lastly, you can't let one be done without the other and you can't leave anybody out or any place out or, or anything out. You have to have an equitable approach across the board in order to truly make it resilient because you can't leave a group of people out of the process and not have them involved and make them sustainable. You can't have um, an infrastructure set that you just completely ignore that fails and takes everything down with it. You can't forget about places that you work in or live in or you know grow in or, or, or process in and and not have and leave them out in the in the dust and then something happens and everything blows up so to me the three are connected and they're all equal and you have to do it you have to approach them all together in order to be effective so that's from yeah you know we we've, we've been having conversations with with clients they want to be more intentional about equity and inclusion from a resilience and emergency management perspective and one of our clients said we he wants to tear down his processes and his systems to truly build with equitable approaches that are sustainable. And so Absolutely. I feel like that echoes what you're saying. Like you have to build with that in mind from the beginning. Absolutely. Because I mean, I really, the human capital element really became a strong, a strong center for me because it's something that I think that in the process of everything that's going on, wasn't really discussed traditionally. Um, you know, human capital from what happens if you lose people, what do you do? But thinking about it more from the resiliency lens, like what, and the sustainability lens, like how do you build a sustainable set of people and what do you need to do for them in order to make that, you know, make, create that sustainability. And that's really what organizations choose to do culturally, right? You can't ignore diversity and inclusion and expect to have a sustainable workforce. You just can't do that. Um, so it became much more important in, in my thinking and what I factored into the work that I do to say that you have to have equity and inclusion as a part of this process or it doesn't work. Yeah. So I think words matter. <laughs> However, I also feel like as people, we get hung up on words and we will go down tangents. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. so like, we can't agree so on true. resilience. We can't agree on business continuity. We can't like, we just can't agree on what these, these terms mean. And I feel like sometimes uh, sustainability has the same challenges that some people might use it as a buzzword um, and not truly thinking about what that word actually means and the intent. And so from your perspective, what might the word sustainability mean or encompass in a corporate environment? Yeah, it's a very good question. And I agree with you. You know, it, it means so many things, right? Um, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but I'm on the board of Sustain Charlotte. And, you know, when I first tell people that, they're like, oh, so you get involved in the environment and waste and, you know, and, you know, not being wasteful. And I said, oh, it's a lot more than that. So yes, it is a buzzword. And I think from a corporate perspective, it really, you know, it, it, it starts off and, uh, you know, we can say this, Wells, Wells Fargo's done a great job in this. Um, sustainability initially was what are we doing to be, you know, basically good stewards of how we're operating. So, you know, putting solar on our buildings, getting to, you know, carbon neutrality in some way, shape or form, focusing on minimizing waste, recycling. That's what sustainability was traditionally considered. But when we look at where it's going and how it's grown um, and where it's evolving to, it gets back to what we were just talking about, right? In order to be truly sustainable as an organization, you have to really focus on multiple tiers uh, and activities in these various spaces. So 
to me, one of the things that I think is it's about that interconnectivity between all of those things happening to make it to make it to make true sustainability be put in place. So if you look at if you break it down just simply like you can have a climate program where you're going to move from not just carbon neutral to but getting to net zero on carbon, right? You can understand how you're going to change your investment and your capital um, improvements to help with reducing um, greenhouse gases and helping with climate change. That's one tier. Another tier would then be what we just talked about with diversity and inclusion and really investing in your human capital and creating a, an equitable workspace where everybody has opportunity to grow and everybody's ideas can be brought to the table. So that's another factor of sustainability to build that in and actually make that part of it. And then I think there really is a big third pillar, and this is the one that I think corporations are weak on right now, is that involvement in the community beyond just some type of donation or um, getting uh, employees involved in community, we should definitely continue to need to do that. That's not something I'm saying shouldn't be done, but it's taking it a step further. And as an, as an organization or a corporation, you should look locally to what you're doing as a corporation to improve sustainability of where you're operating. Mm -hmm. And that means it's going beyond just giving donations and making sure your employees are volunteering. It's literally create, becoming an active participant in the process. So if I'm a CEO of a company and I'm operating in a city, I want it to be sustainable. I want it to know that there's good transportation to get my workers to work. I will help invest in that. If it's through advocacy with local government or creating some type of creative capital improvement that I can get involved in, then I want to be part of that. Same thing for greenways, the same thing for bikeability, the same thing for walkability, for development with streetscapes. Corporations really need to inject themselves into that process and get deeper into the community from that perspective. And I think that is where sustainability lands. That's really sustainable, right? Because now as a corporation, we're factored into all facets of how we operate and we're really making investments and putting our money where our mouth is um, relative to how the organization fits into the community, if that makes sense. So what I like about what you just shared is um, this Past year, I was appointed by the mayor in Charlotte to serve as a chair of the Charlotte International Cabinet. And we just presented to city council on the importance of economic development, but also how we are more inclusive of minority and immigrant owned businesses. And one of the points that we made, especially in Charlotte is how do we create a better environment where corporations are, are partnering more in the local supply chains and the small businesses that are here, because we can't truly have safe communities and bring a hundred plus people per day to Charlotte, right? If we're not really investing back into the small businesses who live and work here, let those businesses truly grow their capabilities by serving the corporations here because that's truly a sustainable uh, supply chain. So like, like being able to dive in to local, I, I like how you explain that. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and you know that's the perfect example. I love that you just gave that because that's exactly right. I mean, thinking about it that way really changes how it, the elements of the community and then basically the city and then the state and then the country, right? If we're doing it all over, right? It just grows exponentially. And then that, and when the private sector is that integrated, then it really is sustainable because everybody's participating. You know, the example you just gave, I love because we were just talking about this from the perspective of capital investment. And, you know, one great, one example, that I thought that was great that came up was, you know, from an equitable perspective, we can look at communities in Charlotte and we can understand at the basic level that, you know, traditional city development has failed communities of color and lower socioeconomic brackets, right? Absolutely failed. And we know that actually sustained Charlotte, that's a big part of what we try to advocate for. And so to me, like looking at an example like that, just take something as simple as hot summers in Charlotte 
And what happens in communities like that have been forgotten or cut out of the development bracket, there's less trees, yep. air, you know, air conditioning can become very expensive. It's much harder to keep your home cool. Well, also then what about something like, well, can we invest maybe in solar improvement in those communities to help people reduce their electricity bills, but also, you know, deal with the, that air conditioning issue, but then, you know, sort of take advantage, quote unquote, that there is less trees in the community. Well, what can, what could a private organization do to do that? Well, not make a donation. How about more creatively creating some type of capital or lending program that would lend to an organization that would make it very financially feasible and desirable to install those solar panels, right? Awesome. And that and that is achieving so many things. That is like sustainability up and down the uh, up and down the line, right? You're reducing carbon. You're investing in in something that is helping you show that you're getting closer to a net zero investment. You're helping the community. You're helping socioeconomic. You're being equitable. It goes up and down the chain. That's the type of thinking that we have to have out there to really make sustainable change. And I feel like you started to touch on this, right? So what are your observations on how companies or organizations might be falling short where there might be blind spots in the way um, that they're approaching sustainability? And then what are your thoughts on how they can course correct some of those blind spots? Yeah, maybe I could answer that question with a good example because I think it's, it's, it's prescient to what you just asked. So. You know, if you're thinking about what's happening in financial institutions across the country, there's this enormous movement to basically move to sustainable capital, right? And what does that mean? It just means that there's commitments being made by organizations to say that we're going to put, you know, literally it sums up to trillions of dollars of our own capital into reducing carbon in the atmosphere, right? And so that is a big initiative because these are like public statements from like companies up and down the board that are saying this is what we're committing to. So there's a huge you know, reputation risk out there if it doesn't actually come to fruition. Well, if you sit down and start talking to the companies about what they're gonna do to invest that capital, it's amazing to me how there's this sort of like blind spot on local investment. And that really just blew my mind. And the more people I talked to, I was like, well, have you thought about, you know, perhaps figuring out a creative way to invest in a public transportation system in the city that you're in because there, people aren't able to get to work because the system isn't robust enough? I mean, we certainly have that problem here in Charlotte, um, <laughs> right? And so is there, you know, it's not just a donation, but is there a way that you can deploy capital to make it easier to build that system, right? Is there a way that you can get involved in the development process to make the, to incent people to develop in certain areas that are, you know, not really favored right now to, to bring commerce to that space. And then also, you know, bring transportation to that space. Can you invest in greenery and a way to put trees back into the place and do that without a donation? But is there something that could be a public private partnership to create a green space that then has commercial savings? Perhaps you lend to those people. So people just aren't being creative about it. It's it, So I think where corporations are falling short is it's like, like looking at it from the lens of what we've always done. We lend, we invest, we donate, but not thinking about the tiers that can happen and perhaps short-term um, you know, capital upfront, long-term return, right? Mm -hmm. And so I feel that that's a great example of where corporations are falling short when they're looking at how to um, you know, help reduce climate change, how to be more sustainable, how to be more equitable. They're not thinking about the creative ways to get there, even from, and, and you know, working for a bank, I see it from the capital space. 
So I think that's an area where there's a lot of room for improvement and there's a lot of room for facilitation of how that could happen, both with private organizations, nonprofit organizations, and, and, and local and, and state governments to come up with creative ways to do, to do that, to make this happen. Because it's not going to happen with just donations. It's not going to happen with, fund, with public funding, right? It won't. It just can't. Mm-hmm. There's too much has to be spent. So we need that kind of thinking. And I, I think that's an area where people are falling short right now. That's just my observation. Yeah. So another thing that you made me think about when I first moved to Charlotte, I was a part of a organization called the National Black MBA. And as I joined the board and did more in, in the community, we noticed that the corporate partners spent more money at the national level and they did not make enough investments with people and dollars to the local chapters. So you had local chapters who are trying to do the work to support the cities, but you're giving, you know, hey, you know, let's say it's 5,000 or less, right? But at the national level, you're given $10 million. And to your point, mm-hmm. what would happen yep. if you pump $10 million into a local nonprofit in exactly. your community where you've exactly. got four towers <laughs> of people? Yep. yep. <laughs> so true. So true. And the relationship yep. is at the local level. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's the perfect allegory for this. You're hitting the nail on the head. It's the exact same thinking. Absolutely. Totally agree. So you serve on the board of uh, Sustain Charlotte here in Charlotte, North Carolina, short plug. (laughs) (laughs) So can you tell us about what this group does and how we get involved? And personally, I've never heard of Sustain Charlotte, so I'm looking forward to hearing this. (laughs) Oh, sure. Um, I'll glad I actually we have a board meeting next week and I have to give my elevator pitch. It's a challenge for all the board members. So this is my practice. (laughs) Um, so Sustain Charlotte is an advocacy organization that, that basically its true focus is smart growth for Charlotte. Now, smart growth can sound like a buzzword, but really what that means is just looking at how we develop as a city in a way that hones in on being focused on greenways, green spaces, human experience, pedestrian walkways, bikeability, and then also, you know, equity inclusion, affordable housing, things that really relate back to the quality of life for the people that live in the city. And so making sure that, that as we grow, we're doing, we're doing so in a way that considers all of those things. And a big part of also what Sustain Charlotte has done in, in, in recent years is also bring voice to the communities that have not always had a voice at the table um, for the development of the city. It's a big part of what we do as a program now. And, you know, it's reaching out to community organizations and making sure that they understand that they can bring their concerns, you know, if there's development happening or gentrification in their area to the city, right, Mm -hmm. to local government, to planning developers, to the developers themselves, giving them a voice. And so when we think about how that all works, Sustain Charlotte is kind of connecting all of the people and the places and the dots to to make sure that this conversation is happening with all the right folks <laughs> to to keep it to keep it at that level, and so when we're when those kind of conversations are happening, smarter choices are being made. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, that's what the organization does, and it's been quite successful. Shannon Bins, who started it um, back in 2010, believe it or not, it's been 12 years old now. Um, he started it by himself. He just had this idea. He moved to Charlotte, saw that the city had great potential, but that it definitely could be grown in the wrong way and just go through urban sprawl and not focus on making it a livable uh, and smart city. And so he really just started getting people excited about it. Um, and the organization just grew. And then the next thing he knew, he didn't have to work. He could, <laughs> he was doing this all the time. And he was able to create an organization where it was, you know, there was enough money from donations coming in to pay him a salary. And then he's just grown it since. So there's full staff now. 
Um, it's a very effective organization. I am very, very proud to be on the board. I, I'm very passionate about the topic and I love this city. And so I'm really happy and, and proud of what the organization has done for Charlotte. I mean, you can take a look at examples as simple as the, the Sixth Street bike lane in Uptown that cuts through, right? It's guarded now all the way through. That's Sustain Charlotte made that happen. I mean, they didn't do it on our own, right? But we helped make that happen. <laughs> a lot of people involved. I love <laughs> That's it. That's a great example. <laughs> so back to you, people, uh, how can our audience, how can people make strides towards sustainability in their personal and professional lives within their communities? So yeah, it's a great question. You know, personally, um, there's so many options, right? It could be as easy as the way you live, things that you think do every day, maybe bike to work on a day that's cool enough instead of taking your car. That's the thing, if, it's, if that's an option for some people, it is. Um, you know, you can just get involved. I think one of the greatest things to do is just get involved. And, and you know, it can be through an organization like Sustain Charlotte. It can be through a community organization. But it also could just be, you know, educating yourself on what's happening in the city. You know, when city ordinances are going through or planning, the planning commission's making choices, that's, it's always open to public opinion. And if you really believe in, you know, more affordable housing in the city, or you believe in sustainable growth for the city, then get involved, have your voice be heard. It will be heard. They, they take all the feedback in and they listen. And I think a lot of people don't know that they can do that, right? They don't know that they can get at the table. So that's a great way to help personally, as well as in the community. And then professionally, just advocate within your organization for what, everything we just talked about. You know, if there is an ESG program, find out what's happening, understand what's going on, see how you might be able to help, see how you might be able to influence, and just also just, you know, hold hold your management and your company accountable for, you know, meeting the goals that they're saying they're going to meet, be a part of that process. Keith, you have been a breath of fresh air and I have learned so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It was great to talk with you. Great to talk with you. I'm really proud of your podcast. You've done a great job. I've listened to quite a few of them. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for listening to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast brought to you by Espalis Advisors and Disaster Recovery Journal. Make sure you check out the show notes for this episode to see all the upcoming events, programs, and ways we can support you. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast, leave us a review, and share it with a friend. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.